folks. Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I'm excited to discuss the bench units, among other things, as I wanted to kind of use this podcast as a leaping off point for different topics. We've got news and notes in the first segment. We're going to talk heavily about the bench unit in the second segment, and then we're going to go over the schedule in the third segment. Just Various things that are coming up for this Nuggets team. They're about to be tested real good. So we're going to go over that. Should be a relatively shorter podcast in general, but I wanted to go over these topics specifically because there's a lot that's going on right now, and some of it's serious, some of it's not. The first one that everybody should know is that Nikola Jokic got player of the week. After... Two very, very impressive wins and one pretty bad loss that Denver took on the road. Jokic, what he did in those two wins was enough to really justify uh, discounting that bad loss, where players like Devin Booker and Damian Lillard and and some of the other uh, top players, I think, in the Western Conference had some compelling cases, but Jokic's statistical production over the course of this last week was incredible. 36 points, 17.3 rebounds, 9.0 assists. It's one of those numbers, like all of them, honestly, where you're just like, oh my God, how does one do that? How is one capable of doing such things? Jokic is now up to 25, 11, and 9 through... 26 games like he's he's played 26 games the nuggets have played 29 as a team but in this last week here are his stat lines it's not like he had a bad game either against uh against the lakers i mean he did have a bad game but not by anybody else's standards washington 17 of 20 from the field 43 points 14 rebounds eight assists five steals one block against the lakers 25 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists, 4 steals. Uh, did have 5 turnovers, had 8 turnovers in the in the Washington game, which is pretty funny. Uh, but in the Charlotte game, he really, I think, sealed the deal. 40 points, 27 rebounds, 10 assists, 2 steals. Denver gets a win in, in those two surrounding a bad loss, and it's just very impressive to see. It's his first one of the season. I feel like this... Uh, ever ever since he came back from COVID, really, was kind of the leaping off point for his turn. I thought that he started getting serious at the beginning of November, and I think his numbers bear that out. But since coming back from health and safety protocols, here are his averages. 29.6 points, 12.4 rebounds, 9.2 assists, 1.5 steals. Uh, the Nuggets in that span are eight and five, so not that bad. Probably could even be better than that. And Jokic is shooting 63, 34, 76 during that span. So just really, really impressive stuff. Probably the only thing he needs to do is increase that free throw percentage. He's had some bad misses at times. And other than that, he's golden. Like this is maybe the best he's ever played before. And that is really, really impressive when MVP conversations and narratives are starting to really be formed now, and he is at the forefront of that. 
talked to Matt Moore last night at the game, and it does seem like it's Jokic, it's Jason Tatum, it's Giannis, and maybe Curry, but Curry just got hurt. Maybe Embiid, but Embiid missed some time. Uh, Ja, Devin Booker, I don't know. I, I don't think those guys are as serious. Jokic, though, what he's doing is incredible and deserves all the credit in the world for it. I want to expand upon the Michael Porter Jr.'s injury status that we got last night. I can't remember if I said it on the podcast or not, but Michael Porter, as of yesterday, Sunday, December 18th, Michael Malone said that they are hoping to have him back within the next seven to 10 days. And it's a maybe, it's not necessarily set in stone that he's going to come back. He did show up doubtful on the team's injury report for Tuesday's game on December 20th. So that would be on the very early end of that spectrum. I don't really expect him to be back against Memphis. It's one of the reasons is because he's doubtful. But it is interesting to see that he is progressing in the right direction, and maybe he comes back a little bit sooner than people are hoping for when you hear seven to ten days. Now, it's also possible that he comes back after that, but seven days from when Michael Malone declared that is Christmas against the Phoenix Suns. The Suns and the Nuggets basically have the same record right now. The Nuggets are in second place in the West at 18 and 11. The Suns are at 19 and 12. They've played a couple extra games. And it's interesting to see those two teams. That could be a really, really interesting battle on Christmas if everybody's healthy. Now, if Michael Porter's not healthy or if there are other guys that are sitting, maybe Jamal Murray is forced to sit. I don't know. Uh, Obviously, Cam Johnson for the Phoenix Suns is going to be out and they have various injuries of their own. So it's not going to be a perfect, I think, dress rehearsal for a potential playoff series in the in April or May. But it would be really cool to see those two teams at full strength. We'll get to that in the third segment. But so that's at seven days. Denver also plays two games immediately after that on the 27th and the 28th, which are technically the 9th and the 10th, 10th days of that timetable that Michael Malone laid out there. And the game after that, the last game of the calendar year is 12-30, 12 days after. It's it's against Miami at home. So I expect Porter to come back sometime in that vicinity. He might even come back the game before Christmas, depending on how he's feeling. That would obviously be great. Denver's got a really tough schedule. They will be facing Portland. On the Friday before, they face Memphis on Tuesday. So any of those games that he were to come back for, the Nuggets could absolutely use the boost. They certainly could. So if he's back and capable, then that would be great. But you, obviously, you don't want him to come back early. If he is close to coming back, you want to make sure he's 100%. So hopefully that is what happens. We did get an updated injury report for the team, and it is extensive for this upcoming Memphis game on December 20th. MPJ, as I mentioned, doubtful with that left heel strain. Jamal Murray popped up on the injury report. He's questionable with left knee injury management. He's sore. This is a part of the process. I'm surprised that 
he played as many minutes over the course of these last few games as he has played. And given that he's experiencing pain and experiencing soreness here, I think that he's going to sit this one. That is not off of any hard and fast information, but I'm just sort of reading the room. KCP, it wouldn't surprise me if he sits as well. He is questionable himself with a lower leg contusion, his left lower leg. And I thought it was a knee bump. Maybe there's something else that's a little bit different structurally there, but it does seem like he just he bumped knees really hard. And whether it's part of the leg, whether it's part of the knee specifically, I, I am not sure how they would interpret that personally, but I do think that it's possible that he sits as well. Going up against Memphis, that's a tough one to go for, though Denver does have a couple of days off in between their Tuesday game and their Friday game, both of which are at home. Jokic on the injury report as well. He has a right knee contusion, but he's probable. He will probably play. Jeff Green, questionable with lower back pain. Honestly, Jeff is being as old as he is. I don't think that it was the right call for Denver to play him as many minutes and as many games as he as he's played already. To me, it didn't make sense. To me, when you've got Zeke Naji there, you've got Jeff or you've got Vlako Chanchar there. Why are you playing Jeff Green as many games as he is? He's played 22 of the team's 29 games, and some of those he's been inactive for. So it's not like it's been like he's he had a game of a seven-game streak where he was inactive with an injury. And during that time, Denver was okay. They, they found ways to be successful. But he did come back against Dallas and has played in his normal role ever since. But they haven't gotten him any maintenance in between those long periods of times where he does play. Now, he's a professional. He's a great athlete. Obviously, it's sustained him for sure. But to me, I'm surprised that they aren't doing the thing where they play him once every four days as opposed to once every two, and you get him a game off here or there. To me, you have a roster that is actually built for that, and maybe that happens when Michael Porter comes back and you feel like you can be a little bit more picky when it comes to who you place into the rotation after that. Maybe Porter subs in at the back of four. I'll talk about that in the second segment. but. It does seem to me like Jeff Green could use some time. He was a net neutral in the Dallas game from a plus-minus standpoint, was a plus-14 in the Portland game, but then in these last four, he has been negative in all four. Not necessarily his faults, specifically in any given one, but I do think that Denver needs to change everything up with their bench, and he's a part of that. He he's absolutely is. So... We will see what that injury report looks like going forward, but in addition to the guys that are kind of doubtful, questionable, or probable, Peyton Watson and Jack White are still out. Peyton Watson on G League assignment, Jack White, because he is on a two-way, the Nuggets are making him out so that they don't spend those days. I think there is a specific number of days that he is allowed to be up at the NBA level because he is on a two-way contract. So, interesting to see that those two are out given the number of injuries that Denver has right now. But two things before we hit a break. Predicting the starting lineup, I'm going to say that Jamal Murray 
and KCP both sit. Bruce Brown will start. Aaron Gordon will start. Nikola Jokic will start. I'm going to guess that Bones Highland and Christian Brown both slide into the starting lineup going up against Memphis. I'm not sure if that's the right call. I'm not sure what Denver's going to end up doing, but it does seem to me like a thing that they will be fine doing. They'll be okay. Uh, They're probably going to lose if you're out as many guys as you are, but you might as well put out a lineup that makes sense. And I think running a Bones, Bruce, Christian Brown, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic lineup, that makes sense to me as something that Denver might try. So, bench lineup, Ish Smith, Davon Reed, Vlako Chanchar, Zeke Naji. I think those guys all play. I'm going to guess that Jeff Green sits as well. And I'm going to guess that they don't play DeAndre Jordan because it's just not a DeAndre Jordan night, in my opinion. So, you play Zeke at the five-ish. Actually, well, it's it's a good question because I don't remember whether Memphis staggers Steven Adams with the second unit or staggers Jaron Jackson with the second unit now. Let's just say that they stagger Jaron Jackson. You would want Zeke to be out there so that he can be a little bit more mobile, uh, although he is liable to get his shot blocked at the rim several times. So we'll just have to see how that goes. But Ish, Davon, Flacco, Zeke, and you'll stagger one of Bones, Bruce, Christian Brown, Aaron Gordon, or Jokic with them. That would be my predicted guess. I doubt that MPJ plays. I doubt that Murray plays. I doubt that KCP plays. And I doubt that Jeff plays, honestly. I think that Denver could benefit from sitting all of those guys. Even though it's on national TV and even though it's a a nice measuring stick game, that's going to be one where, I don't know. I think that they're okay sitting Jamal, though. That's definitely for sure. You don't put him on the injury report with left knee injury management and then play him. So, that is a that is a code for we are sitting you. We are resting you. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the bench lineup in more depth and what the numbers are actually saying. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Pickaxe and roll. Want to tell you a little bit about Superbook Sports before we get all the way back here. Nobody is more excited to tell you about their product than Superbook Sports. They are bringing Vegas-style wagering to the palm of your hands with their app. And now they'll match 100% of your first bet on their app up to $1,000, no matter if that bet wins or loses. You don't have to be at the stadium or in the arena or wherever to enjoy any of your sports. Just click it with the palm of your hand. Just visit Superbook.com or download the Superbook Colorado app right now and start getting in on all of the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. All right, we're back. Let's discuss a very interesting issue that the Nuggets are facing. I'm going to put out, out a graphic on some of the numbers that I am about to share. So if you get if you listen to this podcast, then congrats, you get a little sneak peek on what's coming out tomorrow. But I want to go into more depth on the bench, what the numbers are actually saying about the bench. I'm using a variety of different statistical sources from PBP stats to cleaning the glass to NBA.com. Those sites have really good information 
when it comes to net ratings and on and off data and, and things like that, where you can configure different ways in order to evaluate players and how the team is playing while they're on or off the court. So starting with NBA.com, just here is what is actually happening. Nikola Jokic minutes are really good. The Nuggets have a plus 10.8 net rating in 855 minutes with Nikola Jokic. That's no longer the best in the NBA, but it's one of the best marks in general, especially for a player like Jokic that has played as much minutes as he has. Unfortunately, the non-Jokic minutes are Denver's biggest issue. Denver can survive pretty much any combination with Jokic, but in the minutes without him, they have a minus 14.4 net rating in 542 minutes. That is horrible. It's it's one of the worst marks in the NBA among your elite players where when those guys go to the floor go to the bench, obviously you expect the team to struggle. You don't expect them to be great or be better with those guys on the bench. But with Jokic, the Nuggets have just proven to be so dependent on him in so many ways. And here's why. Denver's offense goes from 123.0 with Jokic on the floor to just 101.5 with Jokic off. They do not generate good offense. 101.5, if you're paying attention at home, is one of the worst ratings in the NBA. It is actually, the it would be the worst team offensive rating in the NBA by a significant margin because offenses have become so good in general that you would expect to be scoring at a higher rate than what the Nuggets are doing right now. Now, when Jokic is on, the Nuggets have a defensive rating of 112.1, which is actually fine. It's not the worst in the world. It's it's not great, but Denver could be doing way worse. And they are doing worse with Jokic off. It's 115.9. So it's not it doesn't really track. It's not necessarily what you would expect when Jokic is out there. And I've seen him go both ways. I've seen him play really hard and contest different shots and get his hands into passing lanes and move his feet really well and generate steals and blocks. And as he said yesterday after the after the game, rebounding is part of defense too. It's kind of the finishing touch of what defense is. And so he when he grabs 27 rebounds in a game, that's good defense. Now, 115.9 with Jokic off, and I've, I've explained this in a variety of ways before, Denver doesn't allow as many made shots, but they do allow, uh, they, they aren't as good at any of the other things. They foul more, they don't generate as many turnovers, and they don't rebound at the level that they need to when Jokic isn't out there. So it's hard for me to pinpoint one thing when it comes to the defense, like could they have a better anchor in the middle? Absolutely. DeAndre Jordan, not necessarily the most impactful defensive player right now. But then again, he's not always the guy who is getting burned on the perimeter. He's not always the guy who on switches is just being bullied on the interior. So it's tough. Like I don't, I don't know how to fully parse that, but here's the number. Here are the numbers that really matter most. Here are every individual player's uh, net rating 
without Nikola Jokic on the floor. This includes starters. This includes bench players. It removes Jokic from the equation entirely. This is in order of the players that have played with Jokic the most. So these are the minutes without Jokic. Aaron Gordon, minus 38.3 net rating. It's horrible. Just the worst it could possibly be. KCP, minus 14.2. Horrible. Jamal Murray, minus 15.4. Horrible. Bruce Brown, minus 17.2. Even worse than horrible. Michael Porter, minus 14.3. Horrible. Bones, this is the key one, minus 22.7 net rating. That is negative 22.7 points per 100 possessions when Bones is on the floor without Nikola Jokic. This is via cleaning the glass, so it takes out garbage time. There is no garbage time to speak of in these minutes. This is what happens while the game is competitive. So when Jokic isn't out there, Bones is getting outscored minus 22.7 points per 100. That is terrible. Christian Brown, not much better. Minus 20.9. Jeff Green, minus 17.5. Horrible. Flacco Chanchar, minus 24.9. He's Jokic's buddy. There was a stretch where he played kind of like Jokic. Every other little bit of time, he has been bad, and the Nuggets have been bad while he's been out there. Davon Reed, minus 15.6. Horrible. Ish Smith, plus 7.6. Huh, interesting. That's that's one. We'll circle back to that. Zeke Naji, minus 20.6. Horrible. He's played the fewest number of minutes next to Nikola Jokic. Yeah, next to Nikola Jokic outside of DeAndre Jordan, who's played zero. DeAndre has a minus 9.4 net rating when Jokic isn't on the floor. So, bad. But unlike the others, DeAndre's actually in the single digits. It's really not him, specifically. Every time people try to pin it on DeAndre, there is always a worse option right now. Every single time. Which is pretty, pretty funny. Uh, I'm not saying that DeAndre's great, but any other combination that Denver has used has been just uh, despicable. So, here's what I'm getting to. By the numbers only, only, it feels reasonable to sub in Ish Smith for Bones Highland. That would be what the statistical folks will tell you, is that the Nuggets have played better when Ish Smith is the point guard and Bones has been off the floor. That is what the numbers say. Now, I'm not sure if that's fair, and I'm not sure if... That should be the de- the direction that Denver goes. Like I, th- I think that you can lose bones that way. A player that you really believe in and a player that's very talented that could be one of those key figures in Denver's future. You don't want to just give up on a dude like that. You want to support them. You want to bolster what they do. Now, not going to lie, minus 22.7 without Jokic says more about Bones than it does about the rest of the guys that he's with. Bones has not had a good year. Now, if you take it at the individual standpoint, he's 13th among 73 point guards in offensive RPM, real plus minus. He's had a good offensive year. 
There's no doubt in my mind about that. The problem is the defense. 69th out of 73 team or 73 players at the point guard position in defensive RPM. He simply has to be better defensively. Like he cannot be a sieve there. He has had too many plays, and I've, I've mentioned this ad nauseum, so I'm not going to belabor the point. He has to be better there and cannot be the mark every single time. Or when he's the mark, you just can't give it up as much. You can't give up all the points all the time. So Denver, you would think that based off of the numbers that I shared initially, that their offensive rating drops to a league worst by a significant margin. Their defense, though it's horrible without Jokic, it's not like impossible to see that number coming down and then making it a little bit easier for Denver to manage the minutes without Jokic. So I'm not surprised that Michael Malone has gone to the phrase defend, rebound, run when it comes to the identity that he wants the bench to have. It's kind of a hopeless prospect to think that the offense is going to be good while Jokic isn't out there. Denver's tried a lot of different combinations. I'm not sure if they're going to land on one that's like truly sustainable. They're going to have to kind of pick and choose. But it does feel like that they can lean into the defense a little bit and try to get better on that end of the floor. And so here's what I would do. I think that Ish Smith is a better defender than Bones Highland. But what I don't think that we've seen enough of is Ish and Bones playing together. I'm not saying that when you play two small guards, your defense is going to get much better because it isn't. But I think that they can get a little bit more aggressive going for steals. They can try to switch a little bit more and be a little bit more feisty. That can be your identity as opposed to just kind of letting the offense come to you and not really doing much about it. It feels like they need to lean into something and try something a little bit more. When Ish Smith is the only player on the team that has a positive net rating without Nikola Jokic, I'm going to get Ish Smith on the court. I'm going to see if he can play. That is what I would do, personally. But you can't bench Bones. That's not something that you can do. So you play them together. You try Ish and Bones. You see how that works. If it doesn't work, then you take Ish back off the floor and you try something else with Bones. If that still doesn't work, then you might have to have a conversation about Bones. But not until you try these things. Like that's, that's probably my directive here. I think that the thing that Denver should try next is probably Ish and DeAndre together. Ish and DeAndre running pick and roll. Ish, Bones, Christian Brown, Zeke Naji, DeAndre Jordan. That's something that I would do. Because when Ish and DeAndre have shared the floor together in non-garbage time minutes, the Nuggets are plus 16.9 points per 100 possessions. That's great. That's a fantastic number. It's probably not sustainable and it's probably not that real. But if you can get some good minutes and maybe a couple of more pluses mixed in with all the minuses, then you're doing your job as the bench. Right now, the bench is just hemorrhaging points. If you can generate some good possessions consistently with Ish and DeAndre running pick and roll, then maybe that helps Bones. He spots up a little bit more. He's freed up to do a little bit more scoring. And then you put in between all three of those guys, your two best bench defenders, which I think are Christian Brown and Zeke Naji. 
I do not think it is Davon Reed. I do not think it's Vlaco Chanchar. Peyton Watson might be somebody that you try, but like he's just not really close, I guess. Like I, I just can't imagine that that would be a thing. Hell, I might even run out Jack White at some points. But I do think that Jeff Green is not the defender that you probably want. I don't think that Davon Reed is the defender that you want. I think that if you're going to play Ish, Bones, and DeAndre, you need mobility, you need athleticism, you need versatility, guys that can switch, guys that can cover. And I think that's Christian Brown and Zeke Naji, at least when they're engaged and really doing their thing. Now, I do want to make mention of this before we kind of go here. Christian Brown, statistically, has the lowest estimated plus minus in the league, EPM. It's on dunks and threes. It's a good metric. It's been very predictive. Christian Brown is the very worst player. It's not necessarily his fault. It's not necessarily something that, like, it's hard to project wing defenders, especially guys like him that don't really get out and get much steals, get many blocks. Christian Brown is a positional defender. And right now, the defense is not good when he's on the court. How much of that is on him? I don't know. He's had some possessions where he kind of gets blown by or muscled through or uh, not necessarily sticking to his man the way that he probably should lately. But it seems to me like he is the best candidate among all of the bench guys to improve during the season defensively. So you want to keep getting him some opportunities. You want to keep getting getting him some learning moments to improve his game and then to improve his overall knowledge base and get him ready for a playoff series. You need to know if Christian Brown is somebody that you can trust. If he is, then great. If not, then you at least you know. So that's kind of where I stand on that. He should continue to play. And then I think you need to figure out what to do with Zeke. Zeke probably not a center. It's probably a power forward. And if that's the case, and if you feel like you need to play DeAndre, then play Zeke next to him and get Jeff some games off. At least see what Zeke can do. Because I think it's going to be better than a lot of people in the front office and the coaching staff really think. I think that there's something there with Zeke and DeAndre playing together. Get some size, get some athleticism with Zeke, Get some good rebounding with DeAndre. Kind of reminds me of the Zeke DeAndre uh, Demarcus Cousins pairing from last year, although just not as potent. So we'll see what it ultimately looks like. Obviously, you could play Ish Bones, Christian Brown, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan, and that would be fine too. But it's not my first choice. I think you should play Zeke first. Now, when Michael Porter Jr. returns, this gets a little bit weirder. I would personally try Ish, Bones, Bruce Brown, Michael Porter, Zeke Naji. You could sub in DeAndre Jordan there and be fine. Or you could go Bones, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Michael Porter, Zeke Naji, or DeAndre Jordan. That would also be reasonable, in my opinion. That way you keep Christian Brown on the floor and you take Ish off. But I think that Michael Porter probably needs to be there to space the floor for the bench unit. Just another option for them to have. Now, when you get back to full strength, Bones, Christian, or, uh, KCP, Bruce Brown, Michael Porter, and then one big. 
that to me seems like the ultimate scenario where you have two starters in KCP and Michael Porter, your two best floor spacers coming off the bench to help out Bones. You've got Bruce Brown, who could be a secondary ball handler. And then you've got a big man, whether it's DJ, whether it's Jeff, whether it's Zeke, whether it's Vlaco, I don't really care. But you get somebody who plays well with that group, with that quartet. It could also be Christian Brown in there. But I think that you, you're going to need to play Bruce Brown. And he's somebody that they're not going to go away from to try to play Bruce, uh, Christian Brown. So just got to be smart. Now, as I floated in the last podcast, Mason Plumley might make some sense, especially if the lineup was Bones, KCP, Bruce Brown, Michael Porter, Mason Plumley. That lineup is legitimately good. Like, there's no reason for that to be a negative lineup against other benches. So if you can find a way to get to that group, maybe that's something you can trust in the playoffs. Maybe you're running an eight-man rotation of some sorts where you have Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Jokic playing most of the first quarter. And then when the bench comes in, KCP comes back in, MPJ comes back in, and you have Bones, Christian Brown, or uh, not Christian, Bones, KCP, Bruce Brown, MPJ, Mason Plummer. I think that that is a legitimately good lineup, and I'd be surprised if that lineup was bad in the playoffs. I think it's it's got some good stuff. You've got the two veterans that you need to surround your point guard, your playmaking big, and your best shooter. Like, come on now. Could be worse. All right, let's take a final break. When we come back, we are going to look at the upcoming schedule. Good conversation on the bench unit. Some some stuff that like you just can't really control, but let's take a break. We'll come back with the upcoming schedule. All right, we're back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's wrap this one up by talking about the upcoming games, by talking about the next 13 games that the Nuggets are going to play. The rest of the calendar year starts on this Tuesday when you play Memphis on December 20th. Friday, December 23rd, you play Portland at home. Sunday, Christmas, December 25th, you play Phoenix. It's going to be a great game, hopefully. Tuesday. After Christmas, you play on December 27th and December 28th, back-to-back, in Sacramento. That should be an interesting one. Sacramento just lost to Charlotte, who Denver just beat. And that is a that is an interesting matchup where Sacramento's been above 500 for a while. We will see if they come back down to earth, but they've been playing good basketball, so it's not, a, not an easy game by any stretch. Not an easy two games. And then you go back home to play the Miami Heat. They have found some stuff over the course of these last few games as well. So not a pushover either. And then the seven games after you get into 2023, January 1st, New Year's versus Boston. You go on the road 
You play in Minnesota, where they are figuring some things out too. They just put up 150 against the Chicago Bulls. They just beat whoever they were playing tonight. Feels like they are, I think it was Portland actually. Uh, no, no, that Portland played OKC. Minnesota, I'm, I don't even remember. But that is a back-to-back in Minnesota on the road you're traveling. That is a tough one. A tough, tough back-to-back with Boston as the front end of it. So it wouldn't surprise me if Denver sat Jamal Murray in that Minnesota game or in the Boston game, one or the other, depending on which one Michael Malone and the Nuggets feel like they can win more. So we'll see about that. But you come back, you play January 5th against the Clippers, play a back-to-back January 6th against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Both of those are at home, which is good. January 9th, you get a couple days off. You play the Lakers again, the fourth time in like the first 35, 37 games or so. That's going to be interesting. Denver needs that win for sure. Then you play the Suns in another home game, January 11th. And then you play at the LA Clippers January 13th. So it is a tough, tough stretch. Not going to lie. All of those teams, all 13 games, are against teams that have been good or are now getting good. Where it took some of those groups a while to figure it out. Like Miami, like Minnesota, like the Lakers. But all of those teams seem to be playing pretty good basketball right now. But this is a testing stretch for Denver. Against Memphis on Tuesday, where you've got a whole bunch of injuries, and Memphis is just absolutely rolling. I'm pretty sure they've won like seven in a row. Let's check that real quick. Uh, Oh, no, they lost one. Who did they lose to? I I don't even remember. Um, But they are the top seed in the West right now at 19 and 10. The Nuggets are 18 and 11. So, If Denver wins that game, because it'll be the first game that they play against Memphis, if they win, Denver will move into the one seed. Like somehow, some way, they will be the top seed in the West, given everything that has happened and all of the defensive weaknesses and bench weaknesses that they have. That is crazy. Yo, I posted a stat on Twitter today, on Monday afternoon, that the league leading team in net rating this year, the Boston Celtics, have a plus 6.2 net rating. That is the lowest in the NBA's database among all league leaders. Any team that's leading the league in net rating that year, the Celtics are by far the lowest. Every other team has at least plus 7, and most of them are plus 8 or plus 9, and some are even in the double digits. So it's crazy to see just plus 6.2. That is a crazy, crazy number. So parity clearly becoming a thing. Denver is going to have to really struggle against some of these teams. They are playing nine of these 13 games are at home. That is a good solace to that. Unfortunately, they're all against really good teams. So given that so many of these are at home, six and seven or seven and six, honestly, about 500, I think is par for the course. When you've got three back-to-backs laced in there, some of them are, are at home, but actually two of them are, are road back-to-backs where you're traveling or you're in Sa- in Sacramento for a two games in a row back-to-back. 
Then you go to Minnesota after that Boston game at home. So those are tough. These are some tough games. So Denver going 500, whether it's 6-7 and seven or 7-6, seven and six, I feel like that's par. And maybe your par is like, okay, if you go 6-7, and seven, you're kind of disappointed. If you go 7-6, and six, you're fine. You're okay. That's pretty good. 8-5 and five during the stretch would be great. Honestly, that's roughly Denver's current win pace right now. We're multiplying that by two, you'd be 16 and 10. Denver's 18 and 11. So it, it really is right on pace for what Denver has done so far if you go eight and five during those 13 games. So nine and four would be even better. It would be very, very impressive. And to me, that implies that Denver figures some things out defensively, they figure out some rotations. They've got groups that trust each other, that know what they're doing. Because right now, anytime Nikola Jokic comes off the floor, it feels like the Nuggets are just kind of throwing shit at the wall. And that's honestly what's happening. That's honestly what has to happen. Because sometimes you just got to throw shit at the wall until something sticks. And nothing has stuck so far. I think closest thing to that was an early lineup that Denver had where you had Bones Highland, Christian Brown, Michael Porter, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan. That lineup was pretty good, and then Michael Porter got uh, hurt, and they decided not to go to that anymore. I would be interested in seeing that one again. I think that could make some sense. Whether it actually works or not remains to be seen, but I could absolutely talk myself into that one being the best version of the ones that Denver can really realistically go to. So. If they find that lineup over the course of these next 13 games, then that's great. I am going to predict that Denver goes 8-5. and five. I think that they need to be challenged. I think that this is a team that even though they're kind of going through a, a tough point right now, kind of a, a critical point here where you've got some injuries, Michael Porter's about to come back, but you don't know what he's going to look like when he does. Bones is kind of on the fritz right now. Jokic is playing out of his mind, but it's just barely manifesting in wins. I do think that Denver finds something defensively in these stretches, though, where they are trying their hardest against a lot of these teams. Sometimes you're not going to win, but it has to be stressed that this stretch is super important for defining who the Nuggets are. I think they go 8-5. and five. I think they maintain their current pace, basically. And that's great because they were playing against not as strong competition before. So seeing what they can do against this particular group of teams will be really, really interesting. If they can come out of it on the other side and play some great basketball, that'll be really, really endearing. It'll tell me a lot, honestly, about whether they should be super aggressive at the trade deadline or just try to make some moves on the margins. Because like it or not, With the way that Jokic is playing right now, you need to take advantage of these moments, no matter what it is. So if guys aren't ready, if guys aren't prepared, outside of maybe Murray, who's coming back from a torn ACL, like anybody else that's not really up to snuff and not really in line has got to get in line and they've got to start playing well because these are just the important moments. Denver's got to build from here. And if they do, This could be a championship year based off of the parody that I'm talking about. You don't know whether a team is going to step up in the midst of all this parody, but it certainly feels like 
It's going to be matchup based. Whoever does well and whoever operates well. I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know whether Denver's going to find the right matchups in the playoffs. I think that they have a nice opportunity here to take advantage of what feels like a weaker season than normal. And this is where it starts. Not before now. This right here is where you tell me and tell Nuggets fans and tell NBA fans in general what you're all about. I'm very curious to see what they say. All right. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I'll be back after the Memphis game. That is a late start. It is going to be a late podcast. I am sorry. I've been very late on my schedule lately. Just had to do a lot of things today. Uh, Christmas shopping and all that. That's just how we do. So thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast, as always. I'll talk to you guys very soon. Thank you.